What's up, Story Geeks? Thanks for joining us today on the Story Geeks podcast. I'm Justin, and today we're doing something new. We're going to be diving deeper into games. To help me do this, I'm joined by my friend Ryan, who is not only a game enthusiast, but he's created some games of his own. Um, so thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. If you like what you hear today and you want to explore games more, let us know. You can join the Story Geeks Club on Facebook for free, and you can learn more about becoming a VIP at thestorygeeks.com. All right, let's dig deeper into games. Like I said, this is the first ever podcast from the Story Geeks that covers gaming specifically, so I've invited Ryan into the conversation. Welcome to the Story Geeks, Ryan. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Justin. Yeah, I'm... Ryan Swindoll. I'm dad of two lovely boys who are uh, spending a lot of time with us at home right now. And we're playing a lot of games. As it turns out, when you're stuck at home, that's, uh, that's the go-to activity. Absolutely. Um, and Ryan, uh, just to give the listeners a little more backstory on us, not only were you my first creative collaborator in life with some horrifying videos that we've since no. deleted just because we, we, we don't we think that they're very humorous that. anymore. No. Um, no. But then you and I were both best men in each other's wedding, which is just a cool testament to our friendship. That's exactly right. We, we were roommates for three years and we, we downed a lot of games in our time. We did. I, so I thought who better to talk about video games with than my video gaming partner. So um, you are passionate about games and gaming. So why is this such a compelling medium for storytelling? Oh, gosh. Well, I grew up with video games. And by that, I kind of mean that I grew up as video games were growing up. Huh. Uh, my dad built his own computer uh, back in the, the early days when things were referred to by 86s. <laughs> and uh, you had to like plug components in that, you know, each piece looked like a motherboard and you, know, you, you, you got everything connected and then you prayed it worked when you pushed the power button. And didn't that, just like fry itself. And it didn't fry itself, which it did at one point. Mm. Yep. There was that smell of burned plastic and we knew something had broke. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we played, um, we played Starflight together. I remember this is, it, this is a very old game. It is aged so very poorly, uh, but it, it can be found around on various places of the internet. Starflight was like a, like a Star Trek simulator. And the cool thing about it was you could name all the crew members after the members of your family. So there was almost an Oregon Trail vibe to it. Oh, wow. No one died of dysentery in that game, but you could get shot by a laser and killed. And that was pretty much just as fun when you were like seven, which and then is about read, as old as I was. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd read Landon or Chelsea has died from laser shots. Or That's exactly right. You know, they, they were poisoned by, you know, the pop fruit plant. And you're like, Ugh. I don't have any idea even where to begin imagining that, but it is hilarious. So we, we played, we played that game and, and that, that was uh, notable because I was, I guess I was like six or seven and I would beg, I would beg my dad for us mm. to be able to play this. I would sit in the seat next to him and pretty much just watch him play. 
and he would lose track of the time mm. and it would be two in the morning and my head would just be nodding off in the seat and he would suddenly look at his watch all guiltily like you really need to get to bed and please be quiet and don't let your mother know <laughs> <laughs> with, with that like sentiment of don't let your mother know one of my earliest video game memories was at my grandparents' house, and my grandpa had the original Wolfenstein <laughs> on his computer, and I don't even know how old I was. I was probably around 10, and uh, I played that with my dad for a while, and that was wow. kind of a, don't let your mom know. You know, that was never overtly yes. said, but we knew. We understood. That could not go over well with your mother. No. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was it was like that. And and so the the early games obviously like Mist was a classic. You know, millions of people who had never played uh PC games before got started with Mist and they all got CD-ROM drives for it. And that game was in its day photorealistic. Yeah. And it was it was groundbreaking in that, which I mean Mist is as a game, it's like a glorified PowerPoint presentation. Right. It's, I mean, you could program Mist in PowerPoint today, and huh. it, it's it's that simple. Um, but of course, you know, as as with all video games, like the art, and um, and obviously like the world building and lore, and puzzles, is where a lot of the design time comes in, and mm. and why games like Mist in the, in the day and uh, I, I was into the King's Quest series, and I remember the jump into King's Quest. Five, it had 256 colors. Wow. This was a big deal because all of a sudden everything looked like, you know, it was a Rembrandt. Huh. And, you know, you'd look at it today and you'd be like, my goodness, that's pixelated. Right. But, you know, back then it, it looked like really crappy vector art or, you know, then with the jump up to these giant, you know, pixel rich images, you know, they, they looked like paintings hmm. back in the day. Anyway, I, those memories just really stick with me because they were like social memories with my dad. They were um, they were like groundbreaking moments in the development of games, and they really captured my love and interest in the medium. Um, and I remember writing my own like games and notebooks that were modeled off of Starflight, Mist, and King's Quest. Mm. because they were they were like easy to iterate off of and so I would make my own versions in notebooks and and it actually got me into programming a little bit wow and you mentioned that games you have some social memories and we've already talked about how you and I played a lot of games and that was a big part of our friendship and our um time spent together for a couple of years when we weren't talking about the girls we were trying to woo or the master's programs that we were both in. But um, what are some of those social memories that you have uh, with game playing throughout your life? Oh yeah. Um, so, I mean, you and I, we, we must've, uh, we must've banged out a lot of choruses to rock band. A lot. I think that I developed more of a bicep that year <laughs> by, by playing guitar than I ever had in my life. So, Smashing so yeah, the that, plastic that's the keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we invited friends over and had like rock band parties and yeah. like looking back, that just seems so incredibly nerdy. Um, yeah. 
but like it was also kind of cool you know and, we were hanging out with and people super and it was joyful fun. yeah yes oh, it was so joyful <laughs> we just it was it was good clean fun justin mm -hmm. yeah it was yeah and we we played a lot of rpg games as well mass effect bioshock assassin's creed fallout 3 those were all just games that we 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 all, each had our own account remember and we would play kind of simultaneously <laughs> when yeah. each other wasn't and, around and then talk about it yes and then like kind of learn from the other person's mistakes well i'm not going <laughs> to make that decision but uh as we begin talking about games as a huge category there's so much i want to dive in with with you in the future both about board games and video games so some of those games that you mentioned your mass effect your fallout where it gives you an opportunity to live as the player desires and not just on a straight set storyline. That's a whole different topic that I want to talk to you about at some point. Mm -hmm. But uh, what, what are some other kind of memorable um, social experiences for you with, yeah, with games? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember being with my brother. You know, we, we're five years apart, so there weren't a lot of things that connected us. Uh, but games were one of those things. And so I, I remember um, playing like the first Mass Effect with him. I also mm. remember us playing like the simple wakeboarding game. And, you know, it was just after Christmas. He had gotten a tub of red vines as he did every year. And so we must have powered through about half of that tub in just one sitting while you know he's driving i'm driving the boat and he's like flying off of these bioluminescent waves <laughs> you know and it just it has this almost golden quality to the memory yeah. because it, it's just one of those moments where he and i were able to connect and it was beautiful and it was yeah. fun in you know in a dark sweaty room as i'm like a teenager <laughs> he's on the cusp of being a teenager <laughs> and uh and you know like the game brought about that moment. We were just chatting and, and being together. And a lot of, I, I know there's just a lot of memories that guys have with one another playing games. A lot of that's moved online now. You yeah. can see um, the phenomena of Twitch uh, streaming and, uh, and Let's Play videos mm. uh, that really took off on YouTube because people like being with other people as they're experiencing games and reacting to them. There's just yeah. a, there is that joy that's kind of inherent in that whole thing and a jocular kind of uh, banter that comes about when you play games. I think it's just a sign that, that games are just very, they're, 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 there's a social glue component to them and it'd be worth kind of digging a little deeper to understand why that's the case. Mm. But my, you know, if I kind of think about it, like a very quick snapshot, I'd say, Games are participatory, but they're also like films where you're also watching. And mm -hmm. so there's both of those dynamics are kind of happening at the same time. It's a mm. bit like theater mm. or sports. And in fact, games really take from both of those, you know, arenas. They mm. bring that like cheering for your team aspect of sports, the teamwork, the strategy, um, the competition of sports. Um, and they also take from the like storytelling of theater, the energy of it, the, the fact that it's happening in the moment. 
and they make you a participant in it um, all together. And huh. therein, I think, lies a lot of the heart of how I think about video games and how I think they're powerful. They take two arenas that we are so familiar with, sports and theater, and they like make it so accessible on your computer um, and so like um, like communally accessible. You you can you can bond with other people around these common activities. Yeah, and you were mentioning just the banter that can happen. One of our other roommates blamed us for inverting his emotions because we would watch him play one of the Resident Evil games and just make jokes about it as we were watching him play. And it felt a little bit like Mystery Science Theater 3000, where it was. largely to have that kind of banter in a film is sort of frowned upon, especially if you've paid for that in a theater in um, where it's premiering or anything like that. But you can do that when you're in your living room playing games. And that just highlights for me some of what you're already saying, that games are very interactive as a form of entertainment. Um, and not only interactive with people that are watching, but interactive with the participant differently than just reading a book or watching a movie. You're still engaged, but not engaged to the same level. And yeah. so I was just kind of thinking... You're a person that's told stories by writing and also creating games. As a creator and a consumer, what can the level of participation from the audience do to enhance the experience of a story in video games? Yeah, well, let's, I mean, let's talk about that. You know, the, the, the interesting thing about games is that they demand less concentration than say a movie does. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of waiting around for the player input. You know, you got to wait for the player to get from one place to another or to figure out how to walk through a door, you know, or work the controller, whatever it is, or to like master and beat like a certain moment in the game. And that can be very kinetic as opposed to say verbal, which occupies a lot of our headspace. Hmm. And so that, that makes it, you know, at that level, easy for people to watch and banter because they're, they're kind of interacting with that, that sports kind of aspect of the game. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to, as to your question, you know, what does this participation do to enhance the experience of a story? Um, I mean, I'd say that it's an awful lot like theater. Um, and what they, what they talk about in theater is this, this energy that lives in the room. And if you've, you, if you've ever acted, you can, you can kind of feel what that means. You know, it's almost like this, this feeling of bated breath on the part of the audience. Hmm. As you, as you walk into a scene and you deliver your lines, you're listening and you're watching the audience in the dark there for clues about hmm. where their tension level is or, whether they are uh, they're bored, um, mm. shuffling in their seats, you know this stuff is happening um, really, you know, kind of behind the scenes in your in your mind as you're acting, mm. and then you do these subtle things to play with it. You will deliver a line louder if people feel bored, or you'll um, deliver it softer and more you know sinister if you're playing the villain. Say if people are are kind of on their, the edge of their seats. I remember I had this one moment in a, 
in a theater production where I had to uh, bang a mallet on the side of the set and everyone was anticipating the, the bad guy walking in the room. And so I just let it hung a half a second longer before I whacked it against the side of the set. And you could hear everyone in the audience jump. And then this, you know, giggle that went through as everyone was kind of processing their, their trauma together. Yeah. <laughs> and like games have these moments all the time. You know, oh, your health is almost gone. You're almost dead. You know, oh, the comeback. You're diving for cover. You're, um, you, you're, you're, you can't figure out this puzzle and you're getting frustrated. You know, are you going to go to the internet and look for the answer? You know, there's lots of ways this, this plays itself out. But the energy, like the game, if it's programmed well, if, it, if it's doing its job, it's working the room. It's kind of working with the energy that you're giving it as you yeah. play. And it tries to keep the pace going. Yeah, I, as you were describing that, I was feeling energy building in me, and I remembered a time, uh, freshman or sophomore year at college, when I was playing the original Halo mm. with one of the other best players in the in the school. I was very good at the original Halo, and then Halo <laughs> Two came out, and I was not as good. Um, but he and I were tied neck and neck. We were the only two that stood a chance of winning and he threw a plasma grenade at me and it landed on me and he celebrated early and then I shot him with a shotgun in the game and <laughs> won you know but by a split second and the uproar in the room because we had a bit of an audience it was it was absolutely hilarious um so yeah I I've enjoyed that we've tried to keep games and gaming we've used a number of video game examples specifically but i'm trying to keep games and gaming a little general so that we could draw from primarily video games for many of our elements of conversation tonight but also board games which is something mm -hmm. that i want to talk about with you at a different time i think we could even talk about escape rooms which is sort of a game oh, that you walk into and as you were talking about theater there are a lot of theatrical elements to escape mm -hmm. rooms but one that draws you in and instead of just has you sit down and watch um as i was thinking about the way that games are interactive i think that games allow you to play with perspective similarly to how many stories and movies and books can, but just mm -hmm. a little bit differently. I recently played The Last of Us, which is coming out with the second chapter in just a couple months. Right. And you begin that game playing as a child named Sarah, and you wake up confused and scared and looking for a character, uh, her father. And so you're immediately bonded with Sarah because you're thrown into this game it's a stormy night. You're confused and scared. And obviously you need to find this person. So you're just in it with Sarah. And 15 minutes later, Sarah's dead. And it was very affecting mm. because you had played as her. You had controlled her. You had bonded with her a little bit differently than you can in a, a show, a TV show, a movie, even a theatrical production, just because it doesn't always allow you to engage on that level. Um, or you had already talked about not being able to beat 
uh, segment of a game, you know that I called and asked you for help when I couldn't beat a level of control recently and it was yeah. driving me crazy. Um, so uh, Yeah, I mean, I remember being a child and playing, you know, the old uh, dogfighters, you know, X-Wing and, um, and there's a TIE fighter on my back and I'm literally arching my spine and juking my head as I'm playing with the joystick because there are laser shots coming over the edge of, you know, my ship. Right. Which is and what you so would visceral. do if you had been actually physically in that cockpit. That is the motion with your body you would have been doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're trying it, it to, you're trying you to like move the machine with your body, even though, of course, I'm not in a machine <laughs> and I've got only this joystick. But of course, I, I'm, I'm completely immersed. Yeah. And and, you know, for children, that's that's so easy. And I, I watch my own kids as they play e even board games. They will sometimes stand in their chairs mm. before making a move, uh, <laughs> not because they need to access the table, but because they're like they're holding dice in their hands. And it, it's like they they need more power before they cast the dice. <laughs> yes. Um. And games just invite you in in this way. Um, w one thing that I just wanted to interact with you about is that games, to some extent, have been blamed by some for deviant behavior. And that's ranging from someone that has a lack of motivation to engage with life, kind of the picture of a, a young man in his parents' basement that only plays games or something like that. But then to the far extreme of being an element that drove someone to commit an act of violence in real life. And something that the story geeks believe and are invested in wholeheartedly all the time is just that stories are powerful. Stories matter to how you live and what you believe. So do you think there is any greater power or danger in this medium of storytelling? Yeah, um, you know, what you talk about really touches a cultural nerve. Um, and, and really anyone who, who has a hard time with games because they, um, they suspect games as being the cause of deviant behavior uh, should absolutely research this and, uh, mm. and, and come to their own conclusions. I'm not going to be able to provide you with you know, uh, a sense for the, the scope of the studies that are out there that have been done on this, um, or, or, and I can't even talk to it. So um, all I can speak from is my own experience, which, which is to say that, uh, yeah, I think um, games, like any media we ingest or stories we take into ourselves, provides a kind of amplification effects, like, like a megaphone to the stuff that's in us. And uh, and yeah, stories are powerful. And if we are not, um, if we're not careful in what we consume, we absolutely can can use games as a means to um, to like act out violent fantasies or mm. abusive type fantasies that would be you know very no good. You know that that would be very unhealthy for someone. Um, so you know recognizing that. Um, it's also worth saying that games, um, just like television or movies, which I'd say games are kind of on par with them regarding personal and cultural, you know, impact. 
um, I'd say you're going to find in games all the same kinds of stories that you would find in television and movies, you know, and so if you are choosy about what you watch, you're going to, and, and, and what you, what you play, you're going to find lots of stories of hope and of humanity, of our history, of our perennial struggles. Mm. Um, and if you're not careful, you're going to, you're going to experience things you'll you'll be tempted by the escapism of games um you'll you'll use games as escape from real responsibilities or to enable compulsive behavior mm. um and so th there should be the same level of choosiness um about games as you would apply to film um mm. or television and uh and the the trouble is that people are not very reflective about the games they play generally. And that it's, it's really a shame because a lot of people who make games, they're very passionate about the medium. Mm -hmm. They want, um, they want to make great and interesting stories that engage a person on every level. And I think if you canvas the, the number of like games out there from, from triple a games to even little indie games, you find a lot of of hardworking developers that really care about the stories they're making in these games, and it really is rare the gamer I think that goes far enough in kind of analyzing and understanding their own experiences with with games and, and particularly video games. And, and I, yeah, oh sorry, go for it. Well, I just don't think that's the fault of games. Uh, of, of video games um, as much as it's like the fault of of well really like the community around that person and you know parenting like we live in an age of radical isolation which mm. has in some ways only gotten worse since this pandemic hit and the need for people to be in a community that is that is talking about their experiences, uh, the media they're ingesting, right, is has never been more important. So that and games need that too. Yeah, and you're touching on a number of things that I want to keep talking about: the choosiness about what kinds of stories you're taking in, reflecting on the kinds of stories you're taking in community all of these are really powerful ideas as i was reflecting on this question i had to look up where this quote came from uh, apparently it's from an ancient philosopher named lao tzu but the quote that i was thinking about was watch your thoughts they become your words watch your words they become your actions watch your actions they become your habits watch your habits they become your character watch your character it becomes your destiny and so something that is just as small as a thought can over time become so formative of the direction your life is going in when you think it enough times, when you act out on it enough times. And very similar to you, I think that you can think poor thoughts and act out poorly on any medium and any story you hear a lot more these days about people binge watching netflix to an unhealthy extent sure. than really the negative effects of video games I, I don't feel like that's nearly as prominent these days 
Um, so I think that like any medium for storytelling, there are potentials for virtue and vice. And like you were saying, not a lot of people are reflective on games and we are constantly digging into stories here with the story geeks asking the most meaningful questions we can think of when it comes to games do you think the questions we should ask about the games are the same as the questions we ask about movies and books or does the level of interactivity cause us to ask different questions or additional questions yeah um you know, to, to to this to your point, really about you know thoughts becoming you know your habits and your destiny. Games, um, games really are. Uh, we spend so much time playing them. They are a medium that spreads out quite a lot. A bit like reading novels. Yeah. It takes a commitment of time usually to play games. Um, and some of that is because games are poorly designed and, and should be shorter. Um, and, and they, they've been padded out, you know, to, to sell at a greater rate. Um, and, and there's there's marketplace considerations with all that. It's, it's really a, an interesting kind of subject. But if you're playing a game that's been paced correctly, you're, you're usually spending longer with it than you would a, a movie. And therefore, mm-hmm. you know, it's all the more important that the games you're playing are... Um, that at the very minimum, you're thinking about what you're doing uh, as you play, because yeah. games are very much like habits in that regard. Um, and in order to think about it, um, yeah, you do need to ask questions much like you would ask uh, books or movies. Um, and I, I'd put this little spin on it. I'd say um, you can kind of separate out in a game the sport and the theater, you know, mm. kind of come back to that you know, duality in games. Um, you can actually ask questions of sports and, and really any athlete would ask these questions of themselves as part of their mental training. Um, they would ask questions of themselves about their own sportsmanship and their teamwork. Uh, they would ask, you know, how it feels for them to lose and why. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they're not asking these questions, then they're probably like breaking stuff, right? Like, right. <laughs> you've got to you've got to deal with those feelings, and you have to find a way to process that. Um, like, why they they would ask, um, you know, why is it worth getting good at this thing? Mm. Um, why is that important to me? And then they would also ask, what um, what does victory ultimately mean? Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm so interested in beating a game, you know, why is that? Is that for a personal goals? There's something symbolic in that, you know, what does that mean for your community? You know, this, this is, these are the sports level questions that need to be asked anyone playing, you know, a game, be it, you know, con- control where you keep losing to that level <laughs> yep. or monopoly, right? Like, uh. <laughs> you know, a lot of sibling relationships were broken by that game. <laughs> And For me, it wasn't my, with my sibling. It was with my youth pastor. <laughs> All the better. <laughs> there was probably something in that for him too, right? <laughs> so there's, there's the sport uh, questions that you've got to ask. And then there's like the theater questions, which are about treating games as a text. You know, questions about the characters, about their arcs and their motivations, um, mm. about the themes inherent in the plot and the world um, that's being built. 
in the game um, about the dramatic aspects of the story. You know, what's the conflict? What's the rising action, the pinch, the climax and resolution? You know, all these things um, need, need and really deserve to be understood. And, and honestly, they're not difficult questions. Um, right. they, even even a, a board game like Monopoly, um, probably just you've never thought to ask these questions about it. But there's a theatrical element to it as you're, you know, auctioning properties and taking people's money when they land on your property and there's there's a kind of like text that's being generated in the improvisation of this role play that's going right. on and that happens you know in more immersive video games as well a lot of that's been written by writers and and you know um, put on spreadsheets which are then enacted in the game and choose your own adventure style dialogue trees or or whatnot or a cutscene in a video game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you once you break that down, you can kind of get into what are the messages and the and you know, the formative thoughts that are kind of driving this and what do I think about that? You know, do I agree with, you know, the theater that's going on here, the story that's being told? Um is it does this story um change me at all? Does it make me want to live any differently? Um, you know, maybe you play Monopoly and you realize, man, I really am a greedy guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't get over the fact, you know, that I just really want to cash in on all that, you know, money, money, money. <laughs> right. And I think this is a great distinction that you're making because in most movies, it's really only the latter, the theater, that we end up talking about. We don't have to interact about what kind of a person are you or how do you engage, what is the role that you play when you're reading this book, when you're watching this movie, when you're watching this play. But the things that games, whether it's a board game, an escape room, a video game, the things that these games draw out in us and allow us to observe about ourselves and other people and our relationships is really unique. So I think that would be a, an additional category that we kind mm -hmm. of would get to dive into in addition to the story and the theme. Um, I think it's interesting to think about games as having a director's intent, just like a book would have an author's intent and movies and TV shows are trying to communicate something about the worldview or the beliefs of the creator and whatever he or she wants to share with us. Um, I think about the board game Pandemic Legacy mm -hmm. and that it is telling ultimately a really interesting story about the balance of hope and hopelessness and it's able to communicate that in a really unique way by allowing me to feel the sense of victory or defeat over multiple games and with building intensity than I would be able to just watching Pandemic the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'll, t I'll say if there's any game that you know, our listeners should play during this pandemic. They they need to pick up a copy of Pandemic mm. <laughs> and play that because it's it's a very um, 
it's it's a hopeful game in that mm. the players of the game have at their disposal all of the tools necessary to solve their current you know virus outbreak huh. and it's and it really it comes down to whether those players can work well together whether they can solve the individual problems that come out in this gameplay session and if they can then they can beat it and that's that's a very hopeful story at a time when you know we feel so um, I, I think uh, powerless in our mm. own homes to make any difference in the the healing of our world, um, you know, such that the debate today is about whether we walk out of our homes or stay inside, and not about you know how you know how we research a cure and right. where we go to help people that are struggling you know, what we do to help those people. I mean, it's it's kind of sad. Um, but a game like Pandemic, you know, properly captures where the drama is in a pandemic and then gives you a way as the player to kind of act out that fantasy. And it reminds you as you do it that this is how people solve diseases. Hmm. They travel the world and they go visit people who are hurting and they collect research and they use that research to discover cures. Hmm. I, I love that you were talking about it as being a source of hope and a reminder. And just going back to how much stories play a part in our lives, uh, a movie that I did not love was Tomorrowland. Did you see Tomorrowland a couple years ago? Never did. I. It has some great thoughts in it. It's just a flawed movie, which is too bad. But the basic idea is that back in the 50s and 60s, there was such hope and optimism for the future. We were going to colonize Mars. We were going to explore the stars. Everything was up and out, and there's a big, bright, beautiful tomorrow, right? Um, and then today, when you look at much of the stories about our future, it's a lot of dystopia. It's The Walking Dead. It's The Hunger Games. It's Most of our futures are no longer bright and shiny, but mm -hmm. rather really dark and gritty. And the message of Tomorrowland as a film is it the way they put it is it depends on which dog you feed. Are you going to feed positivity or negativity? Are you going to tell yourself over and over the story of how our future will be dark and hopeless? Or are you going to tell yourself the story that we can keep fighting and making this better? Um, and so, yeah, just even something as simple as playing a board game won't necessarily change the world or even the player's world, but we'll just continue to tell that story of some positivity yeah and and again like we're saying games allow you to interact with that on a different level than um than a lot of other mediums and you know we're, we're talking about a lot of different games and stories i'm just curious uh, what what are some examples of a game you've played recently that made you think or feel in a significant way. So, yeah, your your comment about you know the the positivity, it's it's like a feedback loop. Mm. Um, 
you know, the thing, the stories we dwell on. And, and there are a lot of uh, gritty, you know, post-apocalyptic games, just as there are a lot of gritty post-apocalyptic TV shows. Yep. And, you know, they're very entertaining and, and, you know, you take them seriously because they're very traumatic in a sense. Um, but what I find is that rare is the story that um, is perhaps a little lighter, um, a, a little more gentle with its approach, mm. um, but still, um, you know, stands out for its purity uh, mm. and its, and its um, earnestness and makes you take it seriously because it's just telling an authentic story. Yeah. Uh, not one that necessarily feels, you know, violent in some way to your spirit. Right. And and so actually, you know, if I think of this last year, I'd, I'd name two games on my short list of beautiful, thoughtful experiences. And they're they're very accessible, you know, PC, um, you know, uh, personal computer type games. Uh, you can like get them on Steam or uh, the Epic Game Store. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, on one hand, there's a short form game called A Short Hike. And this, this beautiful little game, like you play in about an hour and a half, it's, it's, it's paced like a film. Wow. And it's about this little anthropomorphic bird that is on a road trip out of the city and finds uh, herself in a, basically like on a mountain island where uh, she's waiting for the news of a phone call from like her sick mother hmm. and she's like a teenager so she's bored and doesn't know what to do and her i think it's her aunt is this um wilderness guide uh and or like a park ranger and says go take a hike right <laughs> and, and she's like ah oh you know, well, maybe there'll be reception on the top of the mountain. <laughs> so she goes out and like all around this island are people doing different uh, kind of old fashioned type things. Like some of them are playing like beach volleyball. Uh, some are like building sandcastles. Uh, others are training to jog um, a short like race. Um, others are painting and they're doing this all out in nature. And so you're interacting with these people. Some of them um, are, are just kind of narrating about their experiences. You have these little quip like conversations and others need things that you might find and then bring to them. Uh, but ultimately it's about climbing this mountain. And when you, and as you are exploring, you are actually becoming stronger as a bird. Like you're gathering these feathers, which let you, uh, flap your wings and sail farther on the air, which of course assists you in your ascent. And it's the kind of game that, and the music, you can actually look up the music for a short hike on Spotify. And it's this like beautiful chiptune-esque, you know, easy listening type soundtrack, has this like joyful bubbly kind of background to it. It feels like a kid's game on one, on one hand, but it's very much written for adults mm. who are, honestly, like we are today, stuck at home, you know, mm. stuck in their jobs and maybe dealing with some grief or worry that's sitting under the surface. Hmm. 
And it's a reminder that when you go out of your normal circumstances and interact in a natural space, doing perhaps old fashioned or mundane things, it actually can bring, it, it can bring you some um, personal strength as you're dealing with that grief and worry and can put you in the right kind of place to, to talk about it and, and, and feel it. Um, it's it's the kind of game that made me want to play with my kids, right? And yeah. when I'm stuck at home with them, sometimes I just want to be in a different room with them. But this game made me want to bond. And huh. every now and then we just need media experiences that are like that. <laughs> and as a media experience, just when you're talking about this one short game, you were talking about the visuals, the mechanics, the dialogue, the music. It's incredible how video games specifically are a combination of so many mediums and need mm -hmm. so many professionals <laughs> to, uh, contributing different skills to make it work. It totally does. Yeah. You need a lot of talented people. And rare is the individual that can do it alone because like film, you just need people standing in different places doing different things to set up the shot. Mm. So um, I, I would absolutely recommend that game. It's, it's one of my favorites um, mm. from last year. And it's very accessible to people who maybe don't play games. Um, it, it would be called a platformer um, in terms of its genre, but... Um, you can you can play with a mouse or keyboard or with a, a controller and it's it, it's yeah it's it's a very beautiful little experience and you said there there were a couple games from the last year yeah so i would recommend one other um uh, called outer wilds and this of all the games i played last year i would i would easily put it um head and shoulders above the rest is my favorite and it's, it's rare to say that I have a favorite game, you know? Eventually you get, oh, I'm beyond favorites, right? And, and then a game stands out, and you're like, that made me feel like I was a child again. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like that moment at the end of Ratatouille where the critic, you know, right. remembers being, being a kid and right. eating his mom's Ratatouille. And <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it, and, and really this one reminded me of playing Starflight with my dad, you know, two in the morning. It was uh, a very cheerful game about uh, space exploration, of all things. Hmm. And it likened it to um, wilderness exploring. Okay. You know, it was like a race of, you, you play like this, this space cadet who lives in this small community of aliens that like grew up and evolved on this tiny planet. And everything in this world, in this universe of this game, Outer Wilds, is like exceedingly small. Every planet's like a, a kilometer wide, and the planets are only kilometers from each other. Hmm. But they still exist in space. It's like a pocket universe. Huh. where it's, it's like everything that's in our universe, but only just very tiny, such that if we had to go there, it would only take a minute. Nice. And so they build their rocket ships out of wood of all things, which is kind of a running joke <laughs> because of how easy they are to break. <laughs> right. And, and so you, you leave the planet of these like little wilderness exploring, you know, creatures 
and go explore this small solar system with all of these little mysteries. All of the different planets have their own secret to unravel. Some of the planets are breaking apart um, strangely, and others are, there's like sand that's dropping from one planet onto another planet that's filling with sand. And so they make clever use of like 3D space in order to create these environmental puzzles that you learn to solve through your experience with it. You know, you gain, you gain experience through trial and error and, and through crashing your spaceship multiple times and then eventually you figure out how to get from one place to another and, and then you learn more about the, the history of this little solar system. Mm. It's a very um, positive, bubbling game because everyone you meet, even the extinct aliens that have left artifacts and runes that you translate behind, are constantly quipping and telling jokes with each other about the <laughs> quantum science that they're doing. And so it's like all at once very, you know, funny and very nerdy. And also like there's this burning mystery at the heart of it, which is that every 22 minutes in the game, the star explodes. And huh. when it does, it blows up everything in the solar system, including you. And then you are sent back in time, 22 minutes, with all of your memories, back to the moment right before you launch. Wow. And, yeah. And the, the question is, like, why? <laughs> why yeah. is this happening? <laughs> and, um, of course, you know, you, you play the game, you, you, you begin learning about this, and this kind of goes into the whole theme of the whole thing. Uh, as you're talking about this game of space exploration it makes me want you to talk about some of the games you've designed that center largely around space exploration. But I want to, I want to give that the proper time at some point in the future. Um, but I can completely imagine how games that, you know, not only link back to memories of playing with your family, but then also that touch on themes that you care deeply about um, would be some of the things that are the most impactful for you. I am just getting back into games. I've, uh, I I kind of took a, a break with video games uh, once we were no longer roommates, and then I went heavy into board games. So we'll, we'll talk more about board games on a different uh, time, but then I'm coming back into video games now. Um, and I think when I think of good games, I really do think more of the theater. If, if it had bad technical elements, like the sport elements of it were not mm -hmm. working, that would be endlessly frustrating for me. But it could be the most technically amazing game. And if I'm not drawn into the story, if I don't care about the protagonist or stopping the antagonist, I probably won't play it very long. So I, at least historically, have played pretty long first or third person open world kinds of games. So I need to step into some more of these short form games uh, for these kind of curated experiences that you're talking about. I'm excited yeah. about that. They're just hard to find, honestly. Like we should do an episode that just walks you through a bunch of recommendations because uh, if you were to, say, go on to Steam, which is a library of, of a bunch of games you can 
buy and download online it's just glutted with terrible terrible games right and, and I'm, I'm not even speaking ill of their developers um, who many of them are very earnest it's just so hard to make a good game and yeah. to make a game that's worth playing and a lot of games like iterate on one another um, stealing mechanics or repeating mechanics and so sometimes you've played a game and then another game does the exact same thing in terms of its sport but it like dresses it up a little differently in the art and ultimately I find those kinds of games are like diminishing returns you know mm. you can only see the play so many times with a right. different set before you're like I I've seen this before I want I want something new and refreshing and something I can chew on and think about yeah, and as you're talking about Steam and needing to wade through a lot of lower quality games, I feel like most people will immediately connect with that when you compare it to Netflix or Hulu and just not everything on any platform that collects a storytelling medium will be quality. So That's exactly yeah, I, right. I, yeah. I love the idea of helping people wade through that in a, in a future conversation. Um, mm -hmm. In general, are, are there any themes um, or motifs that you're kind of drawn to in particular when it comes to games, speaking broadly? Yeah, speaking broadly, I mean, we, we touched on, you know, this outer space game. And yeah, you know, I've, I've built an outer space uh, board game you know, space and science fiction, it's a little bit like the forests of yesteryear, the unexplored lands, there be dragons, right? Mm. Um, and a lot of uh, the modern or contemporary type uh, literature or fantasy tends to now have science fiction elements to it because our world is increasingly global. And when we look toward the unknown, we now look up we look out and that's um that's why you know i i tend toward those type of games um generally uh science fiction or, or space type games but that may not be everyone's cup of tea i guess i'll say um i i do tend toward games that are appropriately reflective about death hmm. uh, obviously when you get into like shooter type games um you know, that this is a whole genre of games you know, where the sport is about waging kind of military combat. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of games have, have softened this, this idea of using guns as the primary mechanic by really getting away from violence. So there's a whole category of shooters that would be about just like shooting, you know, and disassembling robots right. uh, and not actual people. And right. that's, that's how they're kind of treating death with a bit more dignity uh, but obviously like games often are about survival and the number of lives you have right or about when you die your game is over and then you have to restart from an earlier save or restart the whole game or you have to burn one of those extra lives mm -hmm. and that is just nothing like death itself right right, right. death is this permanent thing and games often treated as this thing that can be undone. Mm. And, and so I, I tend to avoid um, games that are, are just kind of flippant, you know, or even keep track of a body count. I just find that very distasteful. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's a big problem with games today that they're not very reflective about 
um, what it means to shoot a gun. Hmm. And in a culture that really values owning guns, um, I think it's important that our games are thoughtful about this. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I, I love the idea that we would be part of that conversation and part of inviting people into a thoughtful place of how to experience these stories and activities, um, board games, video games, movies, and books. Um, you were talking about video games often minimizing the impacts of death. It reminded me of a movie. Did you see The Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah. That's so fun. That movie is wildly fun, but it (laughs) did a really interesting thing with death because it's much like Groundhog's Day in that he can die as many times as he wants and it has no impact on him whatsoever until all of a sudden that is removed. And then I was more concerned about his well-being after that than I maybe have been about anyone in any movie because I've watched him die so many times that now that it would be permanent and I understand how easily it could happen, it took on a different weight. So it's just an example of a movie that starts off much like a flippant video game but then becomes more reflective about how fragile life is exactly Um, yeah yeah i i tend to gravitate toward games that kind of cleverly interact with this issue of you know the death mechanic or or the failure mechanic being death mm -hmm. um games like uh braid uh to give an example from you know uh, i guess it's about 12 years ago now you know it's one of the classic indie games um, a platformer where you had only one life and if you were killed uh, you fall off the screen and the game freezes and the only way to move forward is actually to discover that on your controller you can rewind time hmm. and it's this like revelatory moment when you're like oh and then you rewind you rewind and then you find that like you're alive and you can undo that mistake you had made and you can learn from it, but not suffer any of the consequence from it. Mm. And that's, that's like a little microcosm of what happens when people play games. Uh, they are learning from their mistakes. So it's like playing a sport and being bad at it at first and then getting better and getting better. And eventually now you, you can't lose because you're so good. And game braid specifically interacted with that idea and then it took it to another level where it said what's the implication of being a person like this who can rewind time learn from their mistakes what kind of person does this turn out to be Hmm. and so it became very meta really quickly yeah and (laughs) And you and i were good yeah and you and i so good that you and i were talking about it again before we started recording and like you said we, we experienced that game 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Undertale is another big indie game that like blew up and it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it is some people's entire drink. They, <laughs> they, love, they love that game. There's a huge fan community around it. And it, it was one of those rare games. It was kind of done by one guy. And honestly, you can tell because the graphics look terrible by comparison to many many other games but what exists in that game is this like 
bleeding heart of a of a, of a soul behind that game. It, it's so thoughtful, and then it becomes it takes it to a whole nother level when like the again the like loading and saving mechanic becomes part of the narrative of the game, hmm. and that that like is very disconcerting as a gamer because you assume that when you load an earlier game that anything you've done past that point is forgotten by the game right and this was one of those rare games where no no the game remembered even the stuff that you did in another playthrough that was you know should have been forgotten and it's 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 unnerving it's it's almost like horrifying wow. uh yeah so anyway, that's a that's another one for anyone who's interested in these kind of playing with death mechanics and thinking through that stuff. You know, it's it's a bit longer of a game, so you you commit some time to it, but it's very thoughtful and you know interacts with the gaming community in that way. And of course, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention uh, the Stanley Parable, Justin. Oh my goodness, I, we had to bring it up at some point. I <laughs> don't know that I've laughed harder in a game or been more confused and frustrated and you know talk about a very very simple mechanic but then some great writing and uh. a fascinating look at what is the role of a narrator what is the role of a player how can we interact with our space and another one of those games that just unfolds before you as you experience it and explore um, yeah, one of my very, very favorite games that you've introduced me to. And I mean, Ryan, I feel like we have started so many different conversations and mentioned so many different games that I want to talk more about. We mentioned the game that you designed. I'd love to hear more about how you approach game design. Um, so and I mean, you and I have already talked about more topics that we want to dive into like recent games that we've played, control, more specifics into board games, to share our top five game stories, um, and just other experiences. Um, but I'm also curious what you, our uh, Story Geeks audience, want to hear about. So uh, if you're interested by these kinds of conversations, send us a message, write us a comment. Uh, if you have a game or a topic or a question or a theme that you want us to explore, on an upcoming podcast so don't miss any of those potential podcasts or uh, any of our other upcoming shows uh, subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider remember you can join the story geeks club for free check us out on facebook or on the storygeeks.com and the link to the club will be on the show notes and if you join us as a vip member We'll prioritize your questions and comments in our shows, plus higher tier members get to join us as a guest. So learn more at thestorygeeks.com. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking with you. I hey, look so forward good to, to be here. Yeah, I look forward to more conversations like this. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and then, as always, thanks for listening and Question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth.